This movie is so gross. I loved it. Today I'm talking about Evil Dead Rise. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about Evil Dead Rise, which is the latest in the Evil Dead franchise, and one that's kind of diverting away from some of, at least some of the traditions within the Evil Dead franchise and building its own, um, you know, path, and it rules. I adored it. So, yeah, like I said, I'm going to give it a lot of praise. I think it is one of the best splatter flicks of the last couple of years. So, yeah, without further ado, let's get started. It's hard to imagine a horror franchise that's been around as long as The Evil Dead that hasn't had a misfire. 90% of the time, horror sequels are already a bad idea, so the second film kills the perfect record out of the gate. But thanks in part to Sam Raimi being involved in almost every product, and enough time to piece to get together a new take on similar material between each installment, Evil Dead hasn't had that problem. The first film was a cult classic that shocked audiences, the second is part horror, part cartoon, part retcon, and all fun, and the third is an over-the-top time-traveling action comedy, before 2013's edition drowned the audience in blood and gave the franchise a visceral intensity that it had been missing for a bit. Now in 2023, and after a successful Ash vs. the Evil Dead show, the franchise is back in new hands to bring out franchise staples along with more body horror. The film follows Beth, a guitar technician who just found out she's pregnant, who's gone to visit her sister Ellie and her three kids. And while things are incredibly tense due to Beth's long absence, all of that is pushed aside when an earthquake hits and Ellie's son Danny discovers a cursed book named the Natrum Demonito that may have awoken demonic entities called Deadites. So this movie fucking rules. I mean, it's gross and mean and wild, and I enjoyed every second of it. The first smart decision the film makes is to use the original film as inspiration, but not a blueprint. Like, we're not going to go to a cabin in the woods again, except for a very brief and very awesome <laughs> opener, as effective as a metaphor as that was for 2013's version. And we're not going to recreate the same setups and gags. This time we're going to a rundown apartment building, aka another place that already looks creepy with the power going out, and we're building out the lore so we can introduce wild new ideas and setups. Likewise, our heroes are a lovable band of misfits and weirdos who just so happen to be a family, but also they obviously love each other. It might seem like a small thing, but the fact that you can see the mom and kids playfully banter and mess around lovingly with one another before everything goes to hell is a great way to twist the knife. Also, it is also great that these are a bunch of alternative people, alternative people with weird haircuts and studs and tattoos. Pretty great. Put another way, once folks start getting infected or killed off, we have reasons to like them all and then mourn them. Even the random neighbors are charming as soon as we see them. Now, it wouldn't be a horror movie analysis without getting into the thematic core of the movie, which I'll admit takes some time to get there. At first, it looks like this is going to be about Beth strapping in and helping her sister when she's quote-unquote sick in a way that she didn't think she was capable of before. The movie makes a point of how distant Beth has been, aka she didn't know that dad's not in the picture anymore despite getting a message about it, and the kids all seem to know her, but there's also tension. But as it progresses, it really becomes about Beth facing insecurities and her worries about being a mom. 
All of the Deadites attempt to taunt her with past failures, and the situation seems completely unwinnable. So it's up to Beth to both mentally and physically buck up and accept motherly responsibility for her sister's kids and her own unborn child. Which, for Beth, looks like becoming a horror movie badass. Oh, and between all of that, we've got the best Splatterfest of the last 10 years, hands down. Going into too much detail will spoil some of the grossest surprise, but what I will say is that director Lee Cronin, whose last film was nothing like this, knows exactly how to make the audience feel the impact of each violent encounter and injury. Someone gets stabbed or scraped, we get an establishing shot of the weapon, see the struggle, then a quick look at it going in before letting an actor scream, or the aftermath letting really selling it. And that's before we get into inhuman-looking movement from the Deadites and their cruel taunts of their prey, and some of the wildest body horror stuff you see towards the end. This is what I meant when I said this movie is mean. It is putting its lead characters through the ringer with no qualms or care about anyone, even if they're kids. So, Evil Dead Rise is full of things I would hate in any other movie, but here it works because it's all purposeful or reinforces the movie's anarchic atmosphere. The verdict is it's blood-soaked brilliance. A great reinvention of the franchise, Evil Dead Rise is exactly what I wanted. 8 out of 10. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.